This time I want to talk about um, two paths that we could be on. One is that path of betrayal. Well, actually, both are paths of betrayal. It's just that they are different outcomes involved because of God's act in our lives. Look at 1 Samuel 23, starting at verse 19. Then the Ziphites went up to Saul at Gibeah, saying, Is not David hiding among us in the strongholds at Horish, on the hill of Hachilah, which is south of Jeshimon? Here we have the people that are in the land that David is hiding in, turning him over to Saul. A few verses back, David actually inquired of the Lord of the city of Calah that he went and saved that city and saved all of their lives, delivered them from the Philistines, And he asked, are they going to betray me? And God told him, yes. So he ran from that place. And he went to this new place. And here they are doing the same thing. Now come down, O king, according to all your heart's desire. This is the Ziphites, because he's in the land of Ziph. And David's in the land of Ziph. And they're saying to Saul, according to all your heart's desire to come down and our part shall be to surrender him into the king's hand. And Saul said, may you be blessed by the Lord. That's a crucial verse. For you have had compassion on me. Remember, Saul is not the rightful king. Saul's The Spirit of God has been taken away from Saul. David is the rightful king. These people are betraying the rightful king to the wrongful king. Think of Christ. We betrayed Christ. We betray Christ every day. Because we do not keep his commandments. We do not obey him. And we turn him over to the devil. And the devil says, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, God has the last word in this. Saul says, may you be blessed by the Lord, for you've had compassion on me. Go make yet more sure. Know and see the place where his foot is. And who has seen him there? For it is told me that he is very cunning. See, therefore, and take note of all the lurking places where he hides and come back to me with sure information. Then I will go with you. And if he is in the land, I will search him out among all the thousands of Judah. And they arose and went as if ahead of Saul. So Saul gives them more instructions. Well done, good and faithful servants. What does that remind you of? 
Well, here are the two paths. Turn to Matthew 26. One of the twelve, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What will you give me if I deliver him over to you? He's a Ziphite. What are you going to do? I deliver David over to you, or the son of David over to you. And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. There are your instructions. Go betray him further. Later on, verse, in, in chapter 27, starting at verse 3, then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. Now that sounds like repentance, does it? Well, no, it's not repentance to God. Remember the thief on the cross in Luke He turns to Jesus himself and says, you are innocent. I am guilty. I deserve this. You do not. Remember me. Because I don't expect to be with you. Jesus says, that's true repentance. You will be with me in paradise this very day. What's different here? Judas is confessing. Judas is repenting to the enemy. I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. They say, what is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed and he went and hanged himself. That is not True repentance to God, to the Lord. That is not true repentance. He went and hanged himself. And the chief priest, taking the pieces of silver, the object of his repentance, said, It is not lawful to put them into the treasury since it is blood money. They won't even accept His repentance. The enemy will not accept his repentance. And they bought the potter's field. Look ahead to John. Here's the theme of all these passages. John chapter 16, starting at verse 1. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering a service to God. Judas was doing that. He thinks he was offering a service to God. He was interacting with God's people, the Pharisees. The Ziphites thought they were acting in service to God. Betraying David because Saul was the rightful king, right? Here is the belief. The Old Testament predicts the Messiah. The Messiah is Christ. Jesus Christ. But 
to studiers of the Old Testament, the Messiah is a warrior who is to come and defeat the physical enemy. In this case, the Romans. They occupy Israel. Judah. And so the the zealots, the people who believed in the Messiah, believed that if it was Jesus, he was to come in a certain way. He was to defeat the Romans and give the earthly kingdom back to its rightful people. Jesus didn't do that. And he taught the opposite. Instead, he said, I am to die. This is not right. And so Judas, who is a believer of the Messiah, the misinterpretation of the Messiah, betrays the rightful Messiah over to other misinterpreters of the messianic prophecy. The hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God and they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. The Pharisees are the most well-studied people In that time, they are the ones who know God's word inside and out. And here is Jesus, God himself, saying, They have not known the Father, nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. He's telling this to his apostles in the upper room. Who's not there? Judas isn't there. He left a couple chapters ago. Jesus told him, do what you're going to do now. Do it quickly. This is to set things in motion. Because Jesus knew what was in everyone's heart. Also, to keep Judas out of the room. So that he wouldn't hear the truth. And continue in his betrayal. Remember the parables? The parables are, the parables are not children's stories so people can get the message easier, dumb it down, so to speak. No, the parables are difficult to understand and it's intentional so that he with ears may not hear. So that only the elect get it. That was the path of Judas. Here's the other path. The path of Paul. He stands before King Agrippa. King Agrippa gives him permission to speak. And Paul makes his defense, thanking King Agrippa. 
to make his defense. He says to him, my manner of life from my youth, this is Paul's testimony, spent from the beginning among my own nation and in Jerusalem is known by all the Jews. They have known for a long time, if they are willing to testify, that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. He is in that party. The enemy, as we saw, Judas goes and repents to the enemy of which Paul was a part. And now I stand here on trial because of my hope in the promise made by God to our fathers. What is that hope? The Messiah. He's not the only one who believes in that hope in the promise to which our 12 tribes hope to attain. So this is a universal hope among the 12 tribes as they earnestly worship night and day. And for this hope, I am accused by the Jews, O king. Now, why is Paul's hope different from the rest of the Jews' hope? Remember what I said before. The Jews are hoping for a physical Messiah warrior to come and take their physical kingdom back from the Romans. What's, and Paul used to have that hope. But now he has a different hope. Same hope in the same prophecies. But here's what he says, verse 8. Why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? He now has hope in the true Messiah. Not this misinterpreted Messiah to be a warrior to defeat the Romans, but the actual Messiah, Jesus Christ, who showed himself to Paul and told him the truth. Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus, the Messiah. He's the Messiah that dies for his people in order to deliver them, not as a warrior with a sword in his hand, but as a lamb who is slaughtered for the forgiveness of their sins. And this is made true by his raising from the dead. God raised Jesus from the dead. And because of that, that crucial, crucial detail, Paul has hope that he is to be delivered from this evil world by being raised from the dead himself into eternal life. That's the right interpretation of the messianic prophecy. And he says, the others who believe in the messianic prophecy, but they're believing in the wrong interpretation are persecuting me who believes in the right interpretation. He goes back a little bit. I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme. 
And in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. I cast my vote against them to death. I I was part of the Ziphites, betraying David, just like Judas, just like us. But there's a difference between Judas's path and Paul's path. Judas is on the path of destruction. He betrays Christ. And when he realizes what he does, he doesn't repent to Jesus. He repents to the enemy and hangs himself. Verse 12, in this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven brighter than the sun that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. You can't fight this. God is telling him, I will have you whether you like it or not. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise up, rise and stand upon your feet. For I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you. I'm taking you out of this path, off this path of death and destruction where everybody is, where Judas was and stayed. And I'm putting you on this new path of proclaiming my name to everyone. To open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light. So that other people on that path of destruction. Remember, we're all on that path of destruction. Other people can turn. You are the catalyst. You are the one who is going to begin this process of moving people who are in darkness to light. Turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, from the path of Judas to the path of Paul. And Paul doesn't do this himself. He doesn't just wake up and go, oh, I'm on the wrong path. I need to go to another path. No, God blinds him to the old path and opens his eyes to the new path. To open their eyes that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, and that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. The path of Paul is the path of forgiveness of sins. The path of Paul is the path of of having your debt canceled by God. 
He says, therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and also to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God. The true repentance of the thief on the cross. Performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. That sounds like John the Baptist at the beginning of uh, chapter three of, of Matthew. Now that you have been saved, perform deeds in keeping with repentance. Remember, repentance is a fruit. God gives you faith. With faith, you believe in Christ for your salvation, for the forgiveness of your sins. The first fruit is repentance. You also have a strong desire to be baptized to show the world that you believe. For this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. To this day, I have had the help that comes from God. And so I stand here testifying both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass, that the Christ must suffer and that by being the first to rise from the dead, there's that, there's that hope. That's the linchpin of all of our hope. By being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. The whole of our hope lies in the resurrection of Christ from the dead because that is our hope of being delivered out of this present darkness into the world of everlasting life and light. The light of whom is Jesus Christ himself. Those are the two paths. Which one are we on? The path of Judas, the path of Saul. Remember that when you see entire groups of people like the Ziphites. Remember mob mentality. Somebody may have a good heart, but they're belonging to a group of people who would betray Christ in a heartbeat because they're learning a false gospel, believing a false gospel, teaching a false gospel. Stick to Scripture. Everything in Scripture is necessary for your salvation. Stay on the path of Paul through faith in Jesus Christ. Hope in his resurrection from the dead. Life eternal. Amen.